0: but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride. Hello, all Bodies on Bikes listeners, and welcome back to another episode of All Bodies on Bikes. Um, as you may have noticed, it is just Marley here today. Um, Maggie has been holding down the fort quite a bit, and so I figured it was time for me to pull my own weight. Uh, no, that's not actually what happened at all. Um, Maggie is uh, just has some other things going on, and so I will be handling today's uh, conversation, and I'm really, really excited about it. Um, Today's guest, who I'll introduce in just a second, we go back a couple of years, um, and we'll we'll chat about that a little bit, some of our our personal uh, memories together, but really excited for this conversation. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and introduce her um, because I could speak platitudes all day long, um, but it's more interesting when you get to hear exactly why I love this person so much. So without further ado, our guest today is Alyssa Gonzalez from Treehouse Cyclery. Alyssa Gonzalez, she uses who uses she, her pronouns, is a community organizer, advocate, and new bike shop owner based in Boulder, Colorado. She works with groups, organizations, and individuals to create more access, education, and opportunity for queer, BIPOC, and FTWNB communities in the outdoors. We'll talk in a minute about what all those acronym means. What, the, what all those acronyms mean. Alyssa is passionate about highlighting black and brown joy while sharing diverse perspectives and experiences within the cycling community in the hopes of creating a more inclusive and welcoming space for cyclists in Colorado and beyond welcome to the show Alyssa thanks for having me I'm super excited it's it's really funny uh when we we booked you I was thinking about when we first met and I think it was Rome uh in Knoxville last year maybe or was it before then I think it was briefly before then.
1: Um, I think Rome and Knox we spent the most time together, but we met at the Girls Gone Gravel Festival. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. Very then, quickly. Though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you invited me to actually... a disco party. And yes. then that was it. <laughs>
0: i I remember that yeah i remember seeing you riding down the road and you had all your bike packing gear and i was like i want to be that person and i knew who you were because of instagram and i think you knew who i was but um last summer we got to spend a lot of time together you know we stayed together in knoxville and then in vermont um still the hardest race i've ever done Um, (laughs) (laughs) so um well let's jump right into it um so Before we get into talking about Treehouse, which is kind of the main point of what we're talking about today, um, in your bio, you talk about queer, BIPOC, and FTWNB communities in the outdoors. And um, I hate it when people use acronyms that I don't know. And so I try to be better about that on my own show. So can you tell us what does BIPOC mean and what is FTWNB? Yeah, definitely. Um, So BIPOC is kind of a term that um,
1: discusses black uh, and indigenous and people of color. So typically um, it's shortened as just like POC, but uh, I like to just use the full BIPOC just to recognize that black and indigenous folks have different experiences um, traditionally from just people of color. And FTWNB uh, stands for Fem, Trans, Women, uh, Non-Binary Community. So that's anyone who essentially is not a CIS, man and so it's kind of just also encompassing another marginalized set of people operating in the world
0: awesome thanks for thanks for explaining those um and super important to uh, provide space for all those and that's a lot of the work we're both doing um, Mm -hmm. in this space but let's talk treehouse um so first the name where did the name come from uh i wish there was a more exciting story
1: but um when me and my co-owner colby were on a road trip coming up with the idea of just we were just kind of playing around of like oh what would happen if we had a bike shop um he has he said that he has always wanted to own a shop called treehouse cyclery and it was that simple uh and for me that kind of felt perfect right away and um as we thought about it more it we want to try to embody everything that like a treehouse embodies i never had a treehouse growing up so I always had these like really cool imaginary ideas of like, oh, like me and my friends would sneak out and hang out in the treehouse Or when I get older, I'll go in there and I don't know, drink and smoke weed and hang out with my friends still. So it's kind of just this fun place for people to hang out. Um, everyone's welcome. You have a good time in it. Uh and it feels
0: just like a little community. So Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I noticed yeah. on your website and your Instagram, you explicitly say a number of times that you're a community focused bike shop. Um, yeah. wh- what does that mean? Um, so for us, like we
1: want to try to do things a little bit differently, um, than it's been going on, at least in the bike world and with how shops have been running, uh, trying to focus a little bit more about on the community, our local community, and also just the cycling community as a whole, um, listening to their needs, their pain points, um, everything from like what type of group rides and events they want to what type of brands they're actually interested in and supporting or what type of things that they're looking to learn and know. And uh, we believe that just building a more, a stronger community where people are communicating and connect together, um, will just create a better kind of outdoor community as a whole. and having a bike shop being the focus and the focal point of that is pretty important. So we're just trying to listen to our community as much as possible and try to give back to them and build a place where everyone feels like they belong.
0: So cool. And I know you guys just had uh, opening weekend over Labor Day. I saw it all over my Instagram, which I think is a good indicator that (laughs) the word is getting out. Um, But how did that go? What, What was that like? It was really cool. Um, At first,
1: it felt a little unceremonious because on Friday, last week when we opened, we just like unlocked the door and we were like, okay, now what?" (laughs) Like people just come in or what are we doing? And but then it got really exciting as we just had people trickling throughout the day. We had our first purchase. We had um, the first person who came into our shop was a non-binary writer, which I was super stoked about to just have like a kind of queer start to it all. Yes. Um, Yeah. And then we had group rides uh, all weekend and had a fun little pop-up with the local coffee shop and uh, Cuban pastry maker. And so it felt like a really cool event and space just to see bikes out on the corner of the street where our shop is and to see so many people in the space, just like super excited, talking, meeting new people. Um, It was the perfect way to kind of ring in the
0: whole opening. It's so fun. Uh, Definitely a little jealous that I wasn't there. Um, I spent... (laughs) a lot of the month of August in Colorado and I just did not time this appropriately. Um, but congratulations. That's okay. <laughs> That's really, really exciting. Um, I, this is not one of the questions I asked you, um, but are you in Boulder or in Denver? Where, where is the shop? So the shop is located in
1: Denver, um, in the five points neighborhood, which is a historic black neighborhood. Um, it's in the former space of, uh, at the time it was the only black owned bike shop, uh, chocolate spokes. And so we, um, moved in there uh, a week or so ago. And then I live in Boulder. So it's about a 35 minute drive. So I'll eventually end up moving to Denver because the commute is already getting to me. But yeah, the shop is located in Denver.
0: Understandable. Um, Very cool. I've done that commute a couple times. And yeah, the traffic <laughs> through there is just stupid. Um, yes. <laughs> like, Dang, yeah, that's that's a lot. Um, yeah. Okay, so a little bit more kind of, I want to dig in a little bit deeper. Um, so your website for Treehouse reads, um, "quote We believe that bikes are a tool for good. Through bike parts and accessory sales, service, and events, we hope to build a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive sport for our community mm-hmm. and beyond." Um, so let's break that down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I guess starting out, you know, um, and I could name these on and on, but I want to hear from you. Like, what are the inequities and the challenges that you're working to solve with your shop? Um, yeah, I mean, I think when we're just talking about like
1: diversity, equity, inclusion, like there's a tr- true list of things that we could just ramble on about that really shows up in a lot of spaces. Um, talking about just the kind of Front range of Colorado community. Um, A lot of the stuff that we specifically heard from people, I sent out a survey to, had like over 200 people respond, a lot of people from Colorado. And some of the biggest things were um, people not feeling like they can call themselves a cyclist, uh, people having issues or kind of like lack of access to gear and education, uh, as well as not being, not feeling like they were kind of in quotes good enough to show up to group rides um and so kind of those three main focuses were a lot of what people were talking about and that's stuff that we're trying to address through building more inclusive community um so we're working with the radical adventure riders front range chapter on building a bike packing gear library uh that will eventually have uh bags outdoor gear bikes for people to use to kind of uh help bridge that gap of not being able to find the right gear or really know what type of gear you need before you get outside um and then on like the group ride front trying to just create more space and um I don't know kind of just like acknowledgement that like there are a lot of really uh talented and strong athletes out in Colorado and not everyone can keep up with a 19 miles an hour gravel pace going up a mountain and that's really hard and it's kind of scary for a lot of folks to try to show up for group rides and at the same time they're still looking for community so trying to create a little bit more of that space for group rides that are focused more on connection joy uh just social aspects versus the training aspects um and hopefully by doing all of that just trying to make biking seem a little less scary for people
0: yeah oh man you are Speaking my my love language <laughs> right there, um, I'll have to make sure that are you connected with our All Bodies on Bikes Denver chapter yet?
1: I am. Noelle awesome. is a great friend of mine. They actually won our um, adventure bike raffle and is going to get a custom steel frame and fork and custom builds from us, which is super exciting.
0: Whoa, that is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Um yeah. man, Alyssa, that is I wish you could take that model and just come drop it in the middle of Bentonville. Um <laughs> cuz that is like my dream bike shop right there where you feel comfortable walking in and maybe asking a question that mm-hmm. you don't know the correct terminology and um or you know not even knowing what questions to ask. So kudos for for making that space that I know it's not easy um are you working with specific brands in the shop or are you um what does that look like we
1: have I mean some of the brands that a lot of people see in bike shops um in terms of like parts accessories and all of that just because like there's only so much you could do with lights and gps's but yeah. um as much as we can uh, I'm trying to aim for 75 percent Um, We would like 75% of our inventory to be with independent dealers, um, whether that be uh, local to Colorado, local to the US or around the world um, and trying to prioritize marginalized uh, identities within those dealers. So women owned brands, black and Brown and POC-owned brands. Um, so at the moment, it's kind of just a mix of a lot of different things. Uh, we are working with a lot of really great women-owned brands. Um, Rachel from Kama Surface makes these really awesome kind of yoga mat seat pads, uh, Martina with Swift Industries. And then we're working with a lot of other local to North America brands. Um, currently we're working with Bossy Bright Bossy Bikes out of uh, Montreal and some cool bag brands like Farther from Tennessee.
0: Oh, very cool. Um I'll I'll have to get those links and make sure we include them in the show notes cuz we're all yeah. about supporting those those independent brands as well. Um yeah. well, super cool. Um before we move on to some of the um kind of other topics I want to pick your brain about, is there anything else you want to add about Treehouse Cyclery? Um
1: yeah, I mean, we're a full service bike shop, like our main focus is uh community building and events and rides, but we have sales and service, um, for all types of people. Like we want to make it known that yes, we do have like a niche kind of focus with what we're doing, but any type of cyclist or person on or off a bike is welcome there. And any type of bike is welcome too. Um, that's something that we're trying to make a priority is, especially in a community with a large houses population. Uh, we want to be able to service all types of bikes as much as we can, and at least make sure that, uh, people are, getting out there safely. Um, so whether it's just like commuting around town, or it's their main source of travel and kind of transportation, or it's not like their adventure, rig, Like we just want to be able to support people in that and hopefully also helping them with the education side of being able to service and work on their own bikes too.
0: So cool. Very, very cool. Well, yeah. I wish you all the success in the world on that but we're not done yet. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's, it's very much related because you don't go open a, um, a community centered bike shop without having a passion for, yeah. um, inclusion. So, um, I knew you previously from the work that you were doing and continue to do, um, for, you know, advocating for diversity, equity, inclusion, um, in cycling and beyond, um, where does that passion come from? Why is it important to you?
1: A lot of the passion I think just comes from living my own experiences as someone with multiple marginalized identities um, and kind of how tough that's been for me, even with someone with so much privilege. And uh, like, I am a queer woman of color, I'm mixed race. Um, I think the state of Colorado, 3.4% of people identify as multiracial. And so uh, I grew up, in Connecticut, where I'm sure the numbers have been smaller. And um, my experience kind of getting into the outdoors was late, later in life, I think, than most folks. Um, I didn't see mountains for the first time till I was 24. And so a lot of that was, at least a lot of my advocacy work was kind of inspired just by trying to create spaces for myself. Um, and then seeing how needed and important it was for other people in the community. And so, when I started talking about my experiences and my perspectives and asking questions about like, hey, why does this feel bad when someone says a certain thing? Or how can I show up better for other people in my community? It kind of just lit this spark in me where before that, I didn't really have anything that I found that I was super interested in or passionate about. Um, I ran track in college. I'm a designer. So I studied art. I love art. But nothing really felt like I don't know, that kind of like, oh, this is something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And as I started becoming more passionate about advocacy and social justice work, it just clicked for me and it's just been going since fun.
0: <laughs> do you have any um, favorite projects or like success stories of things that you've worked on that you've really seen the impact of? Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, I mean, two of the first big projects that I've worked on that have continued to be like really important and special to me um, separately, but. of in the same they're both uh, scholarship opportunities for women of color Um, one of them is for women of color to get their ski instructor certification through a group called women of winter and then the other one is um, a scholarship through rome fest and that one has continued to grow each year and it's for uh, women of color to be able to attend the rome festivals which is a women focused mountain bike festival and so um, that's felt really special just as someone who is newer to skiing and newer to biking um, and struggling to get into those spaces myself, being able to have the privilege of bringing other folks in. Um, and like last year, I think we had over 35 people on our scholarship at Rome Fest across the country coming to the festival, which was really, really exciting. Um, and just be able to create that space for people is really held like a lasting impression on me. Um, and the same with women of winter, I still volunteer with them and we're going into our third season of scholarships. And I was a scholarship recipient my first year. And that was just extremely impactful for me that I feel really lucky to be able to give that back to other folks.
0: That's so cool. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, with all bodies on bikes, we do a lot of intentional community building and bringing people together. And, um, this summer at Rome at, in Knoxville, I got to hang out with, um, Brooke Gowdy brought a a group of of black women out and then all the scholarship folks. And there is just something special that happens when you are among people who have similar uh, experiences as you. Definitely. um, Yeah. Being part of a marginalized community. And it's hard to explain if you haven't experienced it, but um, it's like a feeling of safety, I guess then you can truly just like, instead of having to just be a cyclist Uh, and I would love your input on this if this is different for you, but I get to be a fat cyclist or I get to, you know, just bring in all the elements of my identity and not have to like hide one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I totally agree. Uh, And that was my first experience ever um, with the group Women of Winter. Uh, When I got my ski instructor certification, it was me and five other women of color on the slopes. I had only been skiing for two years. So I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here, but (laughs) it was the first time in my life that I had been exclusively just with like women of color for any extended period of time. And that felt kind of like silly to me. I was like, how did that even happen that I've just spent myself in, or I've spent most of my life in such white centered spaces. But for the first time, I finally could just like talk, act like myself, say things, share experiences and not have to explain myself, which is a really taxing thing that I think i work through and deal with a lot. Um, yeah. and yeah, I think just being in spaces with people like affinity spaces specifically, but people with similar experiences and identities, um, yeah, you don't have to wear the mask that you do in other places or code switch and it, you just show up really authentically. And I've definitely uh, felt that space always with Burk Cause I mean, you can't not be authentic around her. And then <laughs> just like in a lot of the BIPOC focused and career focused groups that i have been a part of it, it feels really cool to be in community with people like you.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's funny, like the more I spend time in those intentional communities, the less patience I have for (laughs) non-inclusive communities. Oh Uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like my bullshit tolerance is just zero, you know? Oh, Uh, definitely. I don't know if you have any advice for that because I know, I mean, it's a, it's a fact of life when you work in the bike industries, sometimes you're in spaces that you might be the only one who looks like you and you're speaking on behalf of all these people um how do you deal with those instances
1: yeah i would typically say in like my normal life when i'm not having like the advocacy hat on i'm like a pretty spicy person um but honestly teaching or like working with other groups and people and being in spaces talking about diversity equity inclusion and advocacy a lot it's taught me to have a lot of patience and understanding and just slowing down Mm -hmm. um and that's something that we're like trying to bring to the shop as well it's just like that kind of removing like the assumptions and so for me i often have a pretty protective barrier up. where if i'm in spaces where i don't feel safe it's really easy for me to be like on the defense of like, oh, this person's trying to be racist or hurt my feelings or whatever. And so I've just tried to slow down and be like, hey, maybe they are well-intentioned or maybe let me just take a second and use it as a learning experience. And I know that that's not the answer for everyone um, because that's a lot of weight to put on them, but that's just kind of how I have found uh, makes me feel the best moving through Mm -hmm. it is just trying to treat everything like a learning experience. And uh, the goal of the work that I do is not to, brainwash everyone into believing the same thing as me it's just trying to get people to think a little bit
0: differently and it's a slow but important job (laughs) so that's such good points and thank you for your your patience and your your uh compassion I guess um because yeah I I think you are right I think a lot of folks are not necessarily malintentioned or coming at it from a a place of um uh I don't know ill will it's just ignorance Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Um, but it doesn't necessarily make it any easier or make it any uh, better to then spend your time, you know, explaining things to people. Um, But let's go back to some of the positive things. Um, So, you know, you've been in this industry a while and doing the advocacy work for, for a couple of years now. Um, Can you think of some like successes or some of the biggest changes you've seen over the past couple of years?
1: Yeah. I mean, just having a community of, advocates and like leaders across the country that I can call on and chat with like you and Brooke and I mean Sheila out of DC like there's just so many people that when I first started biking and getting to the outdoors that list was a lot shorter and so it's been really really cool and super inspiring over the last few years that I've been doing this work to just see how um, excited people are for change and how many people are not taking the excuse of like, oh, this is just how it's always been done and just doing things differently. And especially in my local community, like here in Colorado, um, I mean, in the last six months alone, I think the amount of groups that have popped up focusing on queer communities, uh, I mean, All Bodies on Bikes Denver, uh, there's a group FEMS in them, like there's so many groups that are popping up for people where I was just joking with the RAR team the other day is like, what a privilege it is that we have on a Saturday to be like, Oh, which inclusive group ride do we want to go to? Like we have to choose between three or four of them now when it really wasn't like that. So that's been really, really cool to see.
0: That's so cool. And I am uh, definitely a little bit jealous because that movement has (laughs) not quite uh, made it to Bentonville yet. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, I, I think people's reaction would be like, well, you should start it, Marley. And Mm -hmm. um, I, well, I would love to, my time is limited and um (laughs) running all bodies on bikes turns out takes a lot of time um but i would love to help mentor some folks if folks are kind of feeling that and um because it it does take um some skill and you make some mistakes um Mm -hmm. but also just like i think you you said it really well you know the learning and the listening to what your community needs not necessarily what do what does marley want to do today yeah um so kind of on the flip side of that coin um What are, if we can get specific, you know, what are some of the challenges you still see or um, things that you've run across in your your time doing this work? I think something that's been popping up at least, especially since I opened
1: the shop, but just like in the last year or so, um, since I've been participating in a lot more like gravel races and events and talking to like larger brands and people is there's this really big I don't even know if it's a push for elitism, but like this idea that everyone has to aspire to be a professional athlete or Olympian styled athlete where like all of the gear that's coming out and the bikes that are being pushed out in the industry and the components that people are being asked to buy is all for the 1% of athletes that are like racing in the tour or in the world championships and stuff. And I mean, it's not necessary for people to like have to have these super expensive components or carbon race bikes, um, to be able to like show up and be a cyclist. Uh, and also it doesn't like on the elitist and kind of like intense athleticism side, like you don't also have to continuously improve and always be better. And like, when you first like start biking, you don't have to in two years be like, Oh, now I can bike like way harder than I used to it's like everyone's growth and progression is different in the sport and the way that people like to show up on a bike is very different but um it's been really frustrating to still see that that's kind of like the one thing that stayed over the last few years is that, like there has been a lot of push for more diversity and there's been a lot of positives coming from brands that are trying to be more values driven but at the same note they're still really like doubling down on You need the lightest, most expensive, fastest stuff to be able to succeed in this sport. And like, that's something that I feel like is such a huge barrier for so many people trying to get into it. Where, um, I mean, like, I wouldn't be able to afford any of the bikes that I have if I was not sponsored by the brands that I am. And like, that's a crazy thing for me to think about because I wouldn't be here today without like these large brands. And also, on the same note, it's really hard for people to still get into the sport and spend even $500 on a bike when now the the cheapest thing on a market for a mountain bike you could get is like $3,000 for a full suspension bike, which is just really unacceptable to a lot of folks. So I'm hoping that can start to change soon.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. And I, I'm guilty of it too. Um, similar to you, um, none of the bikes I own, I would be able to afford with the exception of one, um, the, the Cantwell Popstone. <laughs> I specifically asked for an entry-level bike, um, yeah, so that I could genuinely recommend it to people. Um, and it, it's still, it's over a thousand dollars. So it's not a cheap bike by any means. Um, but it's a lot more affordable than yeah. some of the other bikes in my garage right now. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think the industry is still focused on, the lightest, the fastest, the fanciest Mm -hmm. when realistically like 95% of cyclists, uh, you know, could get by on a used nineties mountain bike.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And like, I just got a used nineties mountain bike that I'm building up because I want to know something different. Like when I started cycling, I've only, and I know this is a massive privilege, but like I've only ever really ridden carbon full suspension mountain bikes and a carbon gravel race bike. And I just got my first steel bike that I built up last year and it's been life-changing and yeah like I want to understand especially as a shop owner how to recommend things that aren't just like super light and carbon because it's not the most accessible type of bike for the adventuring that I like to do all the time too and yeah there's a lot of resources out there that um, aren't really being advertised and pushed unfortunately.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um back to the carbon thing, like I just got my first carbon bike and yeah, it's light and snappy and fun. Um but also like I'm scared crapless every day that I'm going to break it. Um because oh, those yeah, things totally. have very <laughs> real limitations and weight limits. Um yes. yeah. Um well, I guess since we're on it as a shop owner, um you know, if there there's a whole host of challenges that um come with living in a bigger body and being into cycling. Um oh my gosh how do I want to say this you know sometimes you feel like you're too big or um, I'm afraid to ask like hey do you know the weight limit of that saddle Um, as a shop owner how are you helping to address that is that something you are kind of what does that look like for you um similar to kind of how I said before a lot of what we're
1: trying to focus on, especially when working with marginalized communities, people in bigger bodies, people with disabilities is like, we want to move slowly with it and not make assumptions. Like I don't want to be like, Oh, every single person can be on the same exact bike with the same exact saddle and you know, all of that. Cause that's just doesn't, that's not right. And it doesn't make sense. And so trying to um, move slowly with that. And so like right now we're, we only have really a few bike frames and accessories and like zines and stuff in the shop. And we wanted to be conscious of that because bringing in something like apparel, like for me, it is really important to, if we are trying to be something that is accessible for all folks is I wanna have a full size range of apparel that people can walk into the shop and be able to try stuff on instead of only having like a small, medium, large. And so like until we can get to the space where we could actually one afford and two like kind of fit that into our space in a like way that makes sense for us. Um, I'd rather just give recommendations based on some of the articles and resources that I know you have, like the bike frames and apparel brands for people in bigger bodies. Like those are great resources for people to have, and they could still find that stuff and I could help be an avenue for those, uh, kind of resources. And that feels good for me right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're trying to figure out the best way to bring in products that aren't just geared towards, uh, the mainstream view of what a cyclist is, and yeah. I think working with the ABOP chapter in Denver is going to be really exciting too. And Noel's been in a bunch, and I know that they're going to be super helpful just uh even going through this process with them of like building this custom bike. And um, I'm super excited that we get to do it with them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there's just so many resources out there that we only know what we know and there's so much that we don't. So I'd rather lend, or yeah, just talk to our community about it and figure out the best way that we can start implementing that for them. Instead of trying to just be like, Oh, we're only going to serve these types of things or we'll only have these sizes. Cause that's what we think most people can fit. Um, yeah. And hopefully trying to address some of the concerns that like all people and all body types and sizes, like 100% can be on a bike. We just yeah. have to find the right bike for them.
0: No. Oh my gosh. I wish you could see the smile on my face. Cause I just want to like <laughs> give you a hug. Um, it, I know the struggle you're, you're going through right now. It's not easy to find brands that even carry a size range that you want. Um, So if I I can help in any way with that um, of, you know, sourcing or just talking to them and figuring out what works best, I would love to be part of that. Um, And just for my own reassurance, but also for our audience, um, if I walk in and I tell you, hey, Alyssa, you know, I weigh 250 pounds. um, As a shop owner, you don't necessarily care about that, right? Like to you, it's just a data point to make sure that, I mm-hmm. get onto a bike that's going to work for me. Right. Just confirm that in my yeah. head, please.
1: <laughs> oh no, 100%. Like one of the first things that I've been asking people and Coley and my co-owner, when they're coming in and they're like, Hey, I want to get a bike. Like we're the first thing we're saying is not like, Oh, um, I don't know, like just go get this carbon thing that just came out or whatever type of bike that we're trying to push. It's like, well, what is like, what's your goal with it? Like, what do you want to do? And then talking to them about like their personal styles and Um, all the other things that fall in after that. So the size really isn't a question. Um, And the weight is just important for us to be able to get them on something as safely as possible because uh, frames can break and there are weight limits and they're not, not like every single bike can fit certain people with certain sizes and even like different people with disabilities or just like custom things that we'll have to do. Like not every bike is made for Everyone, and that's like our main goal is trying to get people on the best bikes for them, and whether that's a new bike that they want to build up, or an old mountain bike that they have, or just like a beach cruiser that they just want to whip around town, like whatever that is, we just want people to be safe and comfy and have a good time.
0: Okay, well, um, I love you, and I think that you are a hundred percent on the right track. And I wish we could just preach this to every other shop owner in the world. Um, thank you for doing the good work um before we wrap up we have two last questions that we ask every guest um but is there anything else that we didn't touch on or that you want to talk about no i I
1: feel like we touched on a lot of different things um no we're we're an open book at the shop we're always here to answer questions and admit things when we don't know what we're doing um and we just hope that yeah if anyone's listening in the denver colorado community
0: or visiting just come by and say hi um and how do they find you where where can they look you up um yeah so you can find the shop at at
1: treehouse cyclery um our website's treehousecyclery.com on instagram treehouse cyclery and then me personally uh on instagram is underscore underscore Alyssa gonzalez uh spelled a-l-y-s-s-a-g-o-n-z-a-l-e-z
0: Awesome. And we will have links to all of those in the show notes. Um, But as we start to wrap up, um, so this first question is, um, what is your perfect day um, either on a bike or outside? What does that look like for you?
1: That's a great question. Um, Since July 1st, when we moved into the space for the shop, I have spent a very small amount of time on my bike. So honestly, (laughs) like even outside. So at this point, like my perfect day just sounds like sitting on my porch with my cats uh probably just reading a book and drinking some tea and maybe going for a walk um very very low expectations at this point and (laughs) pretty simple things to make me happy
0: yeah that sounds nice though and um i hope you you get a chance to do that i know building out a business can be difficult um especially when it's such a labor of love um and then kind of switching gears for our very last question and feel free to take this any direction you want um, besides bikes and DEI work, um, what do you wish people asked you more about? I think it would be really cool to just talk about, like, I mean,
1: I love talking about bikes and DEI work and advocacy, but there's so much more to me that I often forget about as well. And cause I don't really get to talk about it with a lot of people. So just, I don't know, getting to know me outside of, um, the sports that I do and, my passion for advocacy would be helpful and important for me also as a reminder to that like not every single thing that I have to do is on a bike or not every conversation I have has to be about DEI because I really love like cooking and cats and I don't know art and lots of other things that it's easy to get wrapped up in my career and forget that there's a whole other part of me.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to dig in a little bit more cause that was kind of a non-answer, yeah. uh, specifically, <laughs> um, what, what do you wish you got to tell people about more? You know, is it cooking? Is it your amazing cats? Like tell, tell us more about it. Use (laughs) this opportunity to talk about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I talk about my cats like nonstop. I think it takes maybe 30 seconds in a conversation with anyone to, for me to just like admit without anyone asking that I'm a crazy cat lady, but um, yeah, I I cook a lot. I love cooking. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, And I have a pretty expensive uh, cookbook library. And so I don't know, maybe ask me like what's the most fun thing I've cooked recently or Love. what's something that I really would like to cook. So awesome.
0: Thanks for uh yeah. thanks for digging into that with me. I was like, this is not an answer, Alyssa. We're gonna <laughs> I'm going to pull that out if I have to. Um, Well, hey, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. Um, We will have links to your website, um, to your own Instagram, and a couple of the brands that we talked about. Um, And thank you for doing the good work and creating the spaces that we want to see in the world.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to meeting more of the ABOP community.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Yeah. Thank you